I always pictured I would be one of the greatest Become every sense of the word and stun on those who hate it Something that I was giving my parents and couldn't take it Resilience to every stone that was cast, I demonstrated Every stone I put in bracelets, beauty underrated Was told to believe if you're not a scholar, get it Welcome to the Rob and Rob for Life podcast, the podcast for the culture, black media, black athletes, black excellence, all black everything. I'm your gracious host, Rob Bruin, along with my good brother, Rob McLean. Talk to me. How you feeling? I'm good, bro. You know, I'm a Brooklyn Nets fan and everything, bro. Oh, so, you know. I'm so excited. You're so excited. <laughs> you know, I'm excited. You know, I'm just blessed. We're blessed to just have this guy on the show. He's tearing it up right now, courtside. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. We have the 2016 Indiana Sportscaster of the Year in the building and current Brooklyn Nets sideline reporter, Mike Grady. How you doing, bro? I'm good. I'm good. Good to be on with you, fellas. Absolutely. Being here. So just tell us, because we're both East Coast guys. You from the Midwest. What's the east side of Indiana looking like? Yeah, I never been um, East, <laughs> It's, you know, it's all love in Indiana, you know, um, uh, from Indianapolis, man, coming up, uh, aspiring to be like a, you know, a sportscaster or whatever, man. It's, um, it's a tight-knit group, man. Family was real important there. Um, still got a lot of friends uh, over there. You know, there's parts of the East Side that can be rough, um, for sure. But, you know, my mom worked hard to keep me out of that and good people around me, man. And um, But it's all, it's it's really all love, man. It's uh, a lot of good people there in India and they still like family. So coming up the way that I did, man, I'm, you know, somebody's son, somebody's brother, somebody's older brother, I'm somebody's uncle there, I'm somebody's whatever, you know. It's, uh, <laughs> a little bit of everything. We all, we all fam, yeah, for sure. <laughs> I hear that. So obviously you you're killing it in the photography space right now as well. That's that's that your side hustle is something you like to do as well. But you've been staying on top of the Black Lives Matter movement. You got in your incognito stance. You were out there, had your mask on. We're taking a lot taking of good pictures, pictures killing it, right? <laughs> so really touch on how yeah. important that is for you and talk about how you know sports is going to shift or how you may think sports is going to shift the conversation from the Black Lives Matter movement. Yeah, well, you know, that's something we got to keep an eye on and make sure that the conversation doesn't have a dramatic shift. We're not talking about um, these issues at all anymore. And so, you know, for me, you know, and for a lot of people, a lot of folks are kind of finding their voice in this whole thing. A lot of folks have been silent for a long period of time or they don't want to mess up their money or they don't want to have uncomfortable conversations, whatever it may be on both sides. And this whole situation and the, the series of events that led up to it, with it being a pandemic, at the same time, and seeing what's happening on television, seeing the George Floyd video, the the Breonna Taylor story, Ahmaud Arbery, what happened before, you know, what happened before that, it was just like enough is enough. You know, we've been saying enough is enough for a long period of time. And it got to a point where everybody was tired of saying enough is enough and we have to do something about it. So despite there being a pandemic and concerns and health and all this other type of stuff, people from all different walks of life all different shades felt compelled to go out, out on the street and let their voice be heard and speaking out against racism and police brutality. And then what spurs it on even more is seeing police brutality at an anti-police brutality protest. And so then more and more people are starting to go out in the streets holding up signs. And so me, art has always been like a big you know, part of my life where it was, whether it was writing music, rhymes, poetry, and then photography has always been there. And that's how I choose to communicate outside of the airwaves. 
that's another way that I choose to communicate. And that's, you know, poetry through pictures. And there was so much happening on the street. I wanted to be the part of the protest as it was, but fellas, you guys both know this, we're living history too. And to be able to document mm -hmm. that in some way, shape or form meant a lot to me. So to see so many people rallying together for an important cause and having those uncomfortable uncomfortable conversations and um, trying to get that momentum going was just uh, was really beautiful to see and it's uh, it's not over with going back to the NBA starting back up do you think that's a smart move with like everything that's going on in the world you know I trust that there are guys who are going to try to keep the main thing the main thing and try to keep these issues at the forefront you know when I talk to guys like Gary Temple or other you know with the Nets or, uh, or hear from other guys in the league, I know it's important to them. I know that these causes are extremely important to them. And they wrestled with whether or not should we play, should we not, what should we do? And in deciding to play, deciding to play it wasn't a decision that they took lightly. And so um, they're going to take it upon themselves and a lot of guys around the league to make sure that they keep the message going, not just by a message on the back of the jersey, but how they communicate with the media, you know, how they answering certain questions and making sure that they stay focused. There was a piece of me that was always skeptical that even if the protests and people on the streets and all that type of thing dies down, that having a distraction uh, like the NBA is going to completely shift the conversation from Breonna Taylor or whatever is important right now, change, reform, whatever it may be, it's going to shift it from that to LeBron. Are they going to the Western Conference Finals? Mm -hmm. They're going to championship? How many points did Dame have last night? Hey, you think the Nets are going to do this? Yo, Giannis and the Bucks, you know, it's just that's what, given how long this whole you know, the pandemic has lasted and continues to go on, people have been dying for sports, like dying for sports. Literally. And so to see it, right, to see it come back is sort of um, uh, it's a, it's a welcome distraction for some, you know, because of all this, you know, negativity that's going on in the world and for others it gives them an opportunity to turn a blind eye to issues that a lot of folks in the black community have been trying to get people to see for a long time and so they okay they saw it for you know a few weeks or whatever maybe okay let's please get back to basketball and and so yeah there's a piece of me that's like no we're going to continue to have this conversation and try to avoid as many distractions as possible so i was i was torn the once that train got rolling there was no way of stopping it so my my shift and my hope is in these guys taking responsibility and continue to keep these conversations moving forward so that uh, so that people can't continue to turn a blind eye to the causes that are really important to us. Yeah, I agree with you on that because it's only a distraction, right? If you make it be a distraction, for real. Yeah, and that's why you got to keep having these conversations, you know. So um, it's real easy, you know. To, you know, a lot of folks now are talking about the conditions in the bubble. People are talking about snitching in the bubble. People are talking about food in the bubble. <laughs> Guys are going fishing, going to water parks, playing 2K in the bubble. A lot of talk about that, but they still haven't arrested Breonna Taylor's killers. And so um, we, we, there's a balance. You know, there's a balance. Obviously, you know, we all love the game. We want to see the game played and we want to see who comes out on top. But there's still justice that needs to be served. There's still change that needs to happen. And, and we need to keep those conversations flowing and not get easily distracted. Mike, I need, I need your feedback on this before we uh, leave this topic. I'm not sure if you're familiar, but Stephen A. Smith and Stephen Jackson have been going back and forth a little bit in the media. You being a black journalist yourself, Stephen Jackson went on to the Don Lemon show, obviously on CNN, and Don Lemon had him on. And 
his persona, his demeanor was a little bit defensive, right? And he he expressed that he was a little, he wasn't completely aware of the topic that he was speaking on. Then the following day, Stephen A. Smith goes and um, they like a whole, have a whole topic on him in the rundown about how bad he looked on air. I just want your take on how you would treat your fellow brother. Not saying you think Stephen A. Smith did it wrong, but how you would treat your brother that's journalist in the field, how you would speak to him or let him know he's doing something wrong off camera. Yeah, well, off camera is the key. Like, that's where I would have that conversation. And I don't know who the execs are with ESPN, the first take or whatever it may be. But as a brother, if I was an exec, I would be uncomfortable with Stephen A. Smith going at Stephen Jackson, another brother who, again, that really bothered me. Yeah, fighting for the cause. And so. I always have an issue with that because for some people that's what they want to see and it's another distraction. Exactly. That exactly. So I go to the the Kendrick Perkins going at uh Kyrie Irving thing and Kyrie's saying, Hey, hey, hold up, maybe we shouldn't yeah, let's let's be do together. this, let's have a conversation. We all want the same thing. And so for Kendrick to go off and snap and all those type of things and go off on on Kyrie, again, it's a it's a distraction. It takes away from what we're trying to stay focused on. And so when KD says sellout um, in, in regards to Kendrick, Perk answered back. I don't think it's like, I, I haven't talked to KD about it, but I don't, you know, I don't think it's like sellout in the traditional sense of sellout when we talk about like us, and like, mm-hmm. oh, brother, you, you know, sellout. It's KD and Kendrick have been on the like same team same together. Same team they together. Had is- mm-hmm. Like issues with the media made probably made fun of the media together like they really talking about us and they're not even in the line now you on the other side us or whatever now he's on the other side and he's snapping about stuff that he really doesn't know about so from that standpoint bro you sold out you know and you're giving <laughs> like you're giving the again the execs what they want you're yelling exactly. you're attacking this guy and um it's a, it's a shame that um uh that this type of stuff happens and people fall for the uh, banana in the yeah, tail clickbait because, yeah. because they're getting a check. So yeah, so I'm with you on that. I don't, I don't, I'm, I'm not for any division whatsoever. And mm-hmm. um, uh, ESPN, um, you know, I there is a push to swing for the fences with your opinion and your commentary. A huge and, swing. <laughs> yeah, and there's 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 um uh, there's dangers in that. There's danger in that. And uh, I, I think we've certainly seen that over the course of the past month or so. That was very well said, my brother. I, I, I definitely <laughs> no could appreciate that. No now, doubt. your no hustle, doubt. your work ethic is sensational. How did you mm-hmm. juggle being a radio host in the morning, preparing for sports in the evening, then doing your PA duties for the Indiana Pacers, then going back to the station for nightly news? What Just type of motor is in you? You know, I know the hustle is real, but what what is that? Yeah, man. You know, I got to be honest, man. That hustle is what kind of drew me to New York, man, because um, New Yorkers, man, and I've always had, like, this affinity for 80s New York. And uh, even though that was, like, before my time, but, you know, dudes would be walking the street. Like, you, you bump into, you know, uh, Jean-Michel Basquiat, for example, and he's mm-hmm. a painter. He's also in a band. He also he gets- does this, loaded this, little, <laughs> little bit of that. And it's like, if this is where your heart, if this is what, moves you why not you know why not do it and so when i was growing up i wanted to be a, a sports cast radio was the route i decided to go the pacers liked my voice and asked me to be a pa announcer i grew up cheering for the pacers so mm-hmm. what i'm gonna say no 
Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm gonna do it, and I'm, I'm gonna okay, try to make this work. So I'm doing the, the morning, job. you know, right, doing the radio show in the morning, and then at nights I've got the Pacers. And then, um, then one particular year, the the TV station, uh, one of the sports stations in Indy, um, the sports anchor left, and they needed help with Pacers coverage mm-hmm. uh, during the playoff run back in 2014 when the Pacers went to the Eastern Conference Finals and then lost to Miami. And uh, they said, well, he does PA for the Pacers. He talks about, he's knowledgeable mm-hmm. about it because he does a radio show. So let's get Michael to do it just for the postseason since we need somebody right now, then we'll hire somebody. And so I came in and I was like, you know, I've always, you know, you know wanted to get into TV, didn't know how it was going to happen. So when they asked me, again, what, I'm going to say no? Yeah, I'm going to figure it out. Yeah, let's do it. So, you know, I'm doing a radio show. I may be in Indianapolis or I may be on the road for one of the playoff games. You know, then I may have PA responsibilities in this home game. And then, like you mentioned, then doing the sportscast afterwards. And it went so well. If the Pacers had been knocked out in the first round, they probably would have moved on and hired somebody else. But they got to the Eastern Conference Finals. They got me a lot of reps. And then right after that, they reached out. That was and said, great hey, you for you. To... Yeah. It's like, hey, you want to. <laughs> that was the blessing in disguise. Students? Right. And so they offered Definitely. me a contract. So now I got the radio show. I'm a sports anchor in the evening and then doing PA. And they just let me juggle all this stuff. And so being a kid from Indiana and growing up, it was like a good story for them, for all parties involved. Absolutely. And then, um, mm-hmm. and then it's just up to me, you know, to kill it. So seven days a week, man, I was a grind. Mm-hmm. That stretch was like when I got the TV gig up until the time that I left was like three years of seven days a week, man, like nonstop. And when you love what you do, man, it's not, you know, it's not it's not work consuming, but it was, it's, uh, it's, it's what I grew up really wanting to do. And so, uh, it was, it was no thing. It was no thing for sure. Was there any challenges at first for you, like being a radio producer to now reporting and covering? That's kind of different. Cause like normally you could be a producer and you could go, reporting but you're a radio producer so what were some challenges you had at first yeah i think the main thing was you know for us if we're given any opportunity that we're gonna kill it like we're gonna Mm -hmm. just go out there and kill it and my whole thing was not being pigeonholed so i knew going in that i wanted to be either a play-by-play guy or a sportscaster in some way but you have to you got to pay your dues and so coming in i was just a board out just pushing buttons and then slowly but surely working my way up. And as a board op, I was killing it. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, Michael's great at board op. But it's like, hold on, I can, I can announce too, you know? Mm-hmm. And I get producer responsibilities. And again, I'm killing it. I, we don't, again, we all, we don't know what else to do. We, we do the best that we can with the opportunities that are given us. And, you know, hey, great, great, he's a great, great producer. Hold on, I can announce too. And then opportunity to It's like, damn, you do that too? You know, right. (laughs) (laughs) So it's it's just one of those things about taking advantage of the opportunities that are given to you, um, not being so caught up into when your time is going to come. It is going to come. Try to appreciate and enjoy the journey and what you're doing. Because if I got, you know, pissed off about the fact that opportunities weren't coming that quick, then my energy would not have been contagious. Mm-hmm. It, not, it would not have been the type of energy where uh, an employer would say, hey, we want to give you this opportunity. You know what I mean? If I'm anger or bitter, because man, it's been too long, you got to bring me in because I've been doing this for like six years, yo. Yeah. They, yeah. They're not- to keep I, grinding. Yeah, keep grinding and, and maintain that enthusiasm for what I'm doing and that love for what I'm doing. And so, yeah, when I was just pushing buttons, man, I was I was the happiest, like I was Gladly. enjoying pushing the hell out of them buttons, man. And every every step along the way, man, I just tried yeah. to uh enjoy the journey 
And then it, it may feel like a long time for me, but in the grand scheme of things, man, there are people that are, you know, older than me that are still grinding and looking for an opportunity. It's all like subjective in how we look at it. It's like, it may take time, but it's supposed to take time, you know? Mm-hmm. And we just keep working right. and grinding and doing what we do until that, that opportunity comes that we, you know, um, that we've been praying for for a long time. And you also do announcing as well. You know, when you do announcing, you paint a picture for the audience. So has that changed like your approach towards reporting in a way? You know, my my reporting was always inspired by um, Ahmad Rashad um, back in the day, man. So watching The Last Dance was kind of cool for me, man, because it, it reminded me of why Ahmad Rashad, Jesus Ahmad Rashad is elite. Yeah, that's the guy. Yeah, man. And so, and so it's not just the like, oh, man, he got to kick it with these dudes or whatever. Like, I just want to like hang on, be a hanger on or anything like that. It was, I was such a huge fan, like a huge NBA fan and seeing Ahmad Rashad interview a guy and humanize a guy mm-hmm. like he just yeah, he hoops yeah but he also likes to draw in his spare time or this dude really loves to roller skate in his spare time but this guy really loves to fish and then having a conversation about that and seeing these guys come out of their shell these athletes that I you know would root for and watch you know um mm-hmm. seeing them come out of their shell and the and seeing that whole thing unfold just really drew me to it. And, and as a young kid, like I appreciated that. And as I got into the business, it was, I want to do that for the audience. I want to do that for the viewers, the listeners. That when I interview, when I'm in Indiana, Paul George, I'm a humanized Paul George in a way that you feel a stronger connection with him than you did when you just saw him making baskets, you know? And um, I feel like that being that liaison between the fan base, the audience, and the players, I feel like that's I feel like that's an important one. I feel like a lot of trust has to be involved there. And um, that's that's kind of my approach is to really humanize these guys and show a different side of these guys. It's a little bit more challenging today because guys can choose to be more closed off because hey they got social media. Why do I, you know, why I gotta do I don't this? have to I speak can, to you. Mm-hmm. I don't have to speak yeah. to you. I'm revealing myself through Twitter. TikTok, Instagram, whatever, whatever it may be. And so, um, so the trust factor still, still is extremely important, but that's where from a, from a, from a sideline reporting standpoint and from just a, a journalist or a broadcaster in general, that's where I always draw from, man, humanizing these guys and, and building that connection between the players and the audience. That's big. Cause a lot of people don't really know, like these athletes, these superstars, they're just like us. They like to do the same things that we like to do, play 2K, so yeah. on and so on. So that's good that you're doing that, man. Yeah, yeah. No, I think it's, it, these, these, these are great guys, man. And um, um, they, I think they appreciate it, too. I think, that, I think they really appreciate it, too. I know the fans appreciate it when we're able to do that and have these talks and chats with these guys or not just the locker room, but, you know, when D'Angelo Russell was on the, um, was on the Nets, you know, we went to, you know, Sweet Chick and, and had a whole video shoot there, and then went to a park, had his dogs, and that whole thing. Um, mm-hmm. Went to Dumbo with a few Nets players, and was hitting up pizza shops. Um, was I was in Chinatown with um, uh, Jared Allen. Like these yeah, little, yeah, yeah, these little type of things. I think I think the fans really appreciate it, and I think uh, the players really respond to it too. Mm-hmm. Like, let me ask you this, just to step back a moment. When did you figure out how to say no after saying yes to so many different commitments? That is, that's one of the toughest things. Um, it's uh, one of the big piece of advice you know, when I would talk to, you know, high school students or speak at different colleges. 
is I would tell them to say yes. Uh, when I was, I've seen all different sides of different things. You know, when I was in, you know, management on the radio side, and I was hiring producers, there were there were the guys that would come from, you know, these four year schools, come from, you know, good broadcasting programs, and they really felt like they should be on air right off the bat, and they should be doing this and they should be doing that, and it's like, nah, bro, you got to start here. You got to start here. You know? I almost felt compelled to bring in guys who didn't have the radio experience, who didn't go to school for radio, because those are the guys who were like, you know, I'll, I'll do anything. I'll do yeah, anything. Humble. I'll do anything. Yeah. You know, and I like I'll mop the floors if I need to. And those guys were appealing to me because you have to be you have to be humble. You know, you, you certainly have to be humble. And so if you want to make it, you have to say yes a lot. And then there comes a certain point mm -hmm. where you have to start saying no. And um Feelings might get hurt in the process. You may worry about future opportunities, depend on what mm. was presented to you for sure. But it's really your own, like your own judgment, your own discernment in terms of, can I fit this on my plate? Mm. Can I do this to the best of my ability? Um, is this just for a check? You know, there, there are a number of things in terms of what you value that come into play when you decide whether or not this is the thing for you and then being at peace with that. And so I think um, that's something that's extremely important that I feel like we all have to be on um, moving forward if we haven't already, is doing what's important for us, doing what makes the most sense for us. And if it hurts somebody's feelings, then it hurts somebody's feelings. Doing you shouldn't hurt nobody's feelings, but, that's, fact, but that's, just the world that we, that's just the world that we live in. And so taking care of ourselves, our mental health, what we can balance on our plate, all that type of stuff is extremely important. But value and whether or not, okay, this is this going to get me close to where I want to go? Is this going to help me in any regard? Can I give my all in this? There are a number of factors at play. And um, so for me, yeah, I, I had a full plate, you know, with radio, TV, the Pacers gig. I had a full plate. And there would be opportunities that would come where, okay, yeah, I can fit it in. And there were some where it was, yeah, I'm sorry, I can't, you know, and just having to be um, straight up about it. And so um, I think everybody goes through that. I, there are actors that go through that where they'll say yes to any part and then they get to a point and it's like, uh, I got to turn down this part, you know? And um, mm -hmm. uh, um, it's just a, it's a process, it's a journey, but, you know, we shouldn't feel any kind of way about saying no and doing what's best for us. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I, I can't disagree anymore. There's really an important side of people that inspired us. And you touched on a couple of people already, like Ahmad Rashad. And I know Bob Costas has really inspired you as well, too. Mm -hmm. Our, um, you already touched on the NBA inside stuff with Ahmad Rashad, but I really want you to break down to us how that experience was for you, for you to do your own version with Jared Allen in China. And I want you to tell us as well how those how the black fungus was and, and uh, those uh, <laughs> right um the food wasn't bad actually wasn't that bad. Um, <laughs> i don't try i don't trust you know i'm not big on trying new things me too often, i'm i'm you know? yeah. i'm squeamish too <laughs> yeah and it's, it's it's not um that says more about me than the food the food might be amazing but new stuff every now and then it's like i don't know but that was uh no it was good though it was good and it was funny i'm glad that jared was in the same boat because if jared was wolfing everything down y'all were both it, nervous it would have been, been hella awkward so we both had to kind of together be all right three two one and try stuff so but it was good man and it was you know, I had, I had mentioned I had done the thing with D'Lo and a few other guys in Dumbo, but it was the Jared Allen experience that really, um, really hit home. Kind of hit home that 
this is this is something that I would that young Michael would watch. Like this mm-hmm. is something that you know at home Saturday afternoon, you know, in my tube socks in front of the television. This is the type of content that I would watch and appreciate, you know. Um, and uh, that's when it kind of hit me and kind of come full circle that man, you're you're kind of you know living out what you you know really hoping that you would live out. And um, yeah, walking down the streets of Chinatown and. People recognizing Jared and stopping him. We got cameras rolling, cameraman walking backwards, and we're walking through the streets, and we're just having a conversation about basketball and life. And then hitting the rest, you know, hitting the restaurant up and, and having some good food, continuing to talk basketball about his teammates. And and um, these are the environments where guys let their guard down. And uh, I just really, just really appreciated that man because it's something that I have been wanting to do for on top of a lot of things for a long time, man. So. Uh, I just want to continue. Yeah, I just want to continue that. Um, the Nets are, you know, an amazing organization with some terrific guys, and so we, we hope to have some more things cooked up with uh, with some of these players for real. But that definitely was um, a moment that just kind of hit home. That this is uh, like this Mama is cool. made it type of thing. Yeah, you know, it's like we, you know, we we're on this. I, I, I say the hamster wheel a lot. We're on the hamster wheel a lot, and we don't have time. Mm-hmm. We don't really take to time reflect. to hop out. Yeah, hop out and go, dang, you know. I'm doing um, I've it. Actually been, I've actually, you know, we've been <laughs> moving, you know. So uh, the journey's the journey's far from over, man. But it's it's nice to to stop and reflect and go, dang, okay, cool. This is awesome, you know. Yeah, it was cool just seeing you, not just vibing with him, but seeing how he lives off the court. Yeah. I remember somebody wanted a hug from him. I was just laughing. <laughs> <laughs> Right, right. He gets recognized. I mean, obviously, you know, that size with the afro, man, he gets recognized a lot. And he's a, I mean, but he's a, a genuine, like, good guy. You know, he's a, he's a really good guy, still extremely young, still figuring life out himself in New York. Mm-hmm. So that's a big jump from Texas and, you know, one year of college and then boom, right smack dab in, in the middle of Brooklyn, you know. So mm-hmm. he's adjusting, adjusting and figuring things out, man. And it, it, it was really cool to talk about his experience and his journey. Yeah, real quick, I just want to talk about your relationship with Bob Lavelle. You know, that's an indie legend. You worked there. What's the best advice that he gave you the time that's working on that show with him? Yeah, the thing about Bob is uh, he, I've always, you know, I've always believed in myself. And when I started working at the radio station, you know, young black kid, I was 20 years old. You know, there were a lot of people there that were in the middle of their grind. They're in, they're, they're in the midst of being in their own hamster wheel. And um, I would feel ignored. I would feel like people weren't really paying attention to me. I'd walk through the hallways and always, always talk, you know, acknowledge somebody. Hey, how you doing? You just kind of walk by and I didn't pay attention to you. And um, I always had confidence in my ability. You know, I started doing radio and, and announcing stuff um, junior year of high school and, you know, did a junior year, senior year, and then went to, you know, Vincennes and joined their broadcast program. And I chose Vincent's because it threw you right into the fire. And I remember like the first day of class, the teacher was asked, okay, who had a radio program at your, at your uh, high school? And it was, I raised my hand and the only other person that raised their hand in this full classroom was one of my classmates from my high school. So I knew I already had a leg up on most mm-hmm. of the people in there. A lot of talented people, but I had already been doing this for two years and not just doing this, but doing this, doing this because mm-hmm. I really cared about it. It wasn't one of those, oh, I got radio today. I stayed after school, had a radio show after school, was doing a whole bunch of different things. So I was always confident. And then boom, I'm thrust into a situation in the real world 
nobody's really talking to me. People just kind of walking past, not even acknowledging me. And I know I got all this talent and ability and things inside of me that I want to share and express and, and with the radio station and not being bitter about it, not being angry about it, just kind of, all right, just going to do the best I can, stay in this lane, try to build relationships, whatever it may be. And Bob was someone who just kind of um, uh, took me under his wing when the opportunity presented itself. Quick story. I started in like June of 2003 at the mm -hmm. radio station. In October, one a guy on the um, at who was producing Bob's show broke up with his girlfriend and decided to leave town. Got packed up mm. his car, drove to San Diego. Um, a week before he broke up with his girl, I had trained on the show to be his backup. So whenever this producer guy, whenever he couldn't do the show, I would be his backup. A week later, breaks up with his girl, packs up his car, leaves. Dang. And Bob's like, Bob's like, well, you were the last one to, uh, you know, train on the show. How would you like to take over and be the producer of this show? And it was Friday and Saturday nights from 9.30 to midnight. And I was just like, yeah. Like so just like that. Dang. And so spending the time that I did with Bob, like he was able to see my ability, recognize my ability. And he would tell me, man, you're the most talented person in the building. Like you can do whatever you want to do. Like this is this place is too small for you. Like it sounds like hyperbole, but this is what this man would tell me on a uh, on a regular basis. Like this yeah. this building's too small for you. You're this. You're you know. And I always had this you know humble, modest like thanks. Oh thanks, Bob. I'm, you know, all right. I'm gonna continue to push these buttons. You know, whatever. But um, but his belief in me was um, was something. It's just something I'll never forget. And I, I thank him for that to this day. And it's uh, amazing to have people like that in your corner because it, it boosts your confidence that, that you that you have in yourself. And um, it's just really, you know, amazing knowing that you have someone in your corner who believes in you and, um, and wants to see you succeed. Because there's a lot of people who may say nice things, but they really don't want you but to don't succeed. don't mean it. Yeah. You know? That's, that's, and, that's uh, yeah, he, um, yeah, for, for, so for this, so for that guy to believe in me the way that he did, it was uh, extremely, extremely important, you know, at that time in my life and continues to be. Mike, real quick, can you, it's, you know, it's a small world. <laughs> can you tell <laughs> us the story to the viewers, how you met your agent? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So what was that um, like? Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's great. You ask 10 <laughs> people how they got in the biz and how they grew, man. It's, you get 10 different answers, man. It's like a, a great question to ask guys as they, go on that journey and mine's pretty unique because again indie was where everything was happening for me there was a time where even though people were planting the seeds that you know hey you can go to this you can do that or you can do this or whatever i was like okay true but i got a good thing got a good thing going too you know indie kid grew up in indie got three jobs you know with radio tv and the, and the pacers and it's like i'm never gonna get fired you know i'm just like so to put myself in a position like somewhere where they don't know me where i don't have that like community of people who like that's our guy that was kind of a risky thing and i kind of pushed that off so Final Four is in Indianapolis, and a college professor of mine decides to drive for Uber this particular weekend. And there were oh, surge me. pricing, you know, the surge pricing that Uber has or whatever that annoys us when we're looking for a ride. He was going to take advantage of it and like, oh, you know, I'll ride people around and just do it for a weekend, make some extra cash that way. Uh, he was a communication studies professor of mine. And so he picks a guy up, and they strike up a conversation. And um, the guy reveals that he's a... Um, like a talent agent. 
Mm. And and so my college professor who's driving says, um, well, I don't know if he has representation, but you should reach out to a former student of mine, uh, Michael Grady. And, um, you know, some people say, okay, yeah, I'll look into him. And they never do it. They ain't not looking into him. They ain't doing it. (laughs) And so, yeah, so he's in the back back of the Uber. He writes, you know, writes my name down. And um, he looks up, you know, my work. And then sure enough, he reaches out to me. And um, I I put it off for a while. You know, I put it off because, again, the things that I just talked about, do I really want to, entertain the idea of leaving indianapolis mm-hmm. and you know my family's here like especially get especially like? to let that word hit the street yeah, yeah you know so it's, it yeah. was there was a lot going through my mind so i kind of put it off and then finally um i don't remember what the catalyst was but i know it was off going off and on in my mind and i was like you know what i'm gonna reach out to see what he talked and so this he's uh his name is jeff jeff feldman based in new york flew flew out to new york to visit him see the offices get the vibe if i didn't get a great vibe that's cool i'm in new york for a weekend it's all good it's cool um but if i did get a good vibe then we'll see what happens and um i got a great vibe you know i got a great great vibe and uh just felt good positive energy from them and uh and signed the contract and so at that particular time i was doing the radio tv and the pa announcing in indianapolis he flew me out to a couple of opportunities to interview and do some auditions and stuff like that, you know, after signing the contract with him. And then he was working on a deal with another network. And then he sent me a email saying, hey, the execs changed over at this one network. So I'm working on the new person. Oh, and by the way, the Nets are looking for a sideline reporter. And at that, that and, <laughs> and the more I thought about the email, I was like, because a lot of things were happening at that particular time. I was really embracing photography at that time. Mm-hmm. And I was starting to work with a lot of different people. And so one, number one, you know, my passion for sports casting and an opportunity to work with the Nets team that at the time was coming off a 21-win season. But there was just something about the Nets, man. I'm usually in all black, you know, each day. Um, <laughs> it just hit different. about that, like that AZ connection, which I don't think was still there at the time, but just the whole Brooklyn thing, the whole Brooklyn vibe, that was just something drew me to it. And I felt like something special was happening there. And even though they were 21 win team, I was like, nah, I got to go. And then on top of that, the photography thing that I was getting into and the opportunity to expand on that and network in New York, travel with the Nets and mm. be able to work with different people in different cities. You know, we have a day off, I can get a shoot in, do whatever. We're in Phoenix, we're in LA, we're in Miami, we're in Memphis, whatever it may be. And I was like, nah, this is this is what it is. And so they flew me out to the interview with the um, with Yes Network. And it was like the most comfortable I ever felt. Like when it's for you, it's for you. You know what it's I mean? Yeah, and, and it's just, I felt comfortable with it. And um, sure enough, it all it all worked out, man. So. Coming to New York, a place that I felt, you know, drawn to and um, being able to network, continue to do the photography thing and and and, and all of this transpired. One, you know, because hard work for sure, but a Uber ride, <laughs> a Uber ride, man. So Changed my agent, world, one man. Hey, a Uber world. ride, man. It's crazy. So he's the one that found the next job, man. It's crazy. That, crazy. that was God tapping you on the shoulder. Thanks. Like, listen, listen. Time. Suit up. Suit up. <laughs> right. <laughs> he said, you do what you want, but don't say I don't come through for you. 
Right, right. Always on time, right? <laughs> That's a Absolutely. Let's touch on the okay. Indiana Pacers, the Reggie Miller era real quick. Yeah. Me and Rob were talking a little bit, and he was just telling me how, you know, your first game was when you mm-hmm. went to go see the Pacers, I believe. What'd you say, Rod? AI and, and... AI and Reggie. The best oh, that's, yeah. of all time. Yeah, that's, that's a match. Yeah. Best shooters. Talk to us. Yeah. 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 That's, that's one of the best eras of basketball. Explain to us how you really feel about that and then touch on Paul George and post-Indiana Paul George real yeah. quick. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. You know, um, yeah, that 90s era was special, man. Look, Indiana, we know, we know uh, Indianapolis, small market. You know, you're not going to get the crazy, you know, big time names, anything Mm-mm. like that. So a lot of guys that we have that we cheer for, um, you know, were drafted by the team and we just watch them kind of grow up within the within the organization. And so, you know, Reggie Miller coming up and having to take on the the Knicks, you know, Jordan's Bulls and that whole era in the nineties, man, was just like like a slug fest, man. Like, you know, and <laughs> um, it was just some like amazing, amazing games and the tension that we see in those games, look there's tension in today's games. It was just different vibe, different mm-hmm. feel back during that time when you could really right. rough a guy up. And so yeah. even from a fan standpoint, that hatred went a little deeper. Like I really didn't like Anthony Mason, Charles Oakley. <laughs> some of those dudes, you know? So it was just a different the, it's the a different the, vibe. The energy yeah, was different. Yeah, energy different crazy. Vibe. So but one thing about like, you know, when there's a good team, like Indiana fans are going to show up and show out. And that was a special time in the 90s, trying to get past the Knicks, trying to get past Jordan. And then during Paul George's time, same same kind of vibe with Lance, with, you know, Roy Hibbert, George Hill, David West, and trying to get past LeBron, Dwayne Wade, mm-hmm. and uh, Chris Bosh and those guys. And those guys to this day, I know a couple of guys on that Miami team said, man, going to Indiana, that crowd was different. And I take pride in that because I was on the mic during those times too. So yeah. um, but those battles were those battles were those battles were tough, man. And so um yeah, it'd be nice to I know the Pacers got to one, you know, one NBA finals. It would have been nice to get to some more uh NBA finals, but those were special, special times. Like seeing Reggie drop twenty five in the fourth quarter or eight mm-hmm. points in, you know, Definitely. nine seconds, uh, you know, um the uh the games with you know the Pacers and those Miami Heat teams, special, special games that I'll never, I'll never forget. A championship or find more finals appearances would have mm-hmm. been nice, but those mm-hmm. are memories that I'll always have. Wait, Mike, were you in the building when the brawl happened? No, so I was in, um, <laughs> I was doing radio. I was in the studio with Bob Lovell at that time. Okay, and uh, we were watching it live. <laughs> that was and crazy. And I'm reporting on it at the same time, so that was a crazy era too. Um, uh-huh. You know, Stephen Jackson and. Ron Ron and Ron. Jermaine O'Neal. Stepping on people and getting crazy. Yeah, and wow. those kind of guys. And the game completely changed after that, for sure. Absolutely. The game completely crazy. changed from a, from a public image standpoint. So, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I wasn't in the building, but um, but uh, I was watching it live. By. Live. Yeah, 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 no doubt. You was, you was tuned in. <laughs> no doubt, no doubt. That was crazy. That was crazy. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Real quick, clearly photography played important part of your life you yeah. proposed to your fiance at a groom big at a shout out to this apologies. smooth, at, at smooth guy that was smart that was clean i saw the video yeah, yeah was, so, had the family come out too you can never go wrong when you when you incorporate the family no doubt man it was special it um it uh meant a lot to her and uh it was a secret keeping for a long period of time and so 
So yeah, you know, uh, I mentioned the photography thing and um, was working with a lot of people, a lot of people over the course of about two and a half years or whatever, and um, uh, probably close to 250 people. And uh, she was like one of the last, like I was starting to slow down a little bit in terms of working with people. And she was one of the last people that I um, worked with. And mm -hmm. all the people that I worked with, all those photo shoots. It was never no, never, never any romantic vibes or anything like that. Okay. Like I really cared about the art. Like I really cared about the art. That was mm -hmm. all I was cared. I cared about. And um, and so you certainly you know develop friendships and things like that, but never any romantic vibe. And so I meet through this photo shoot with Erica, and it was just it's just different, you know. Mm -hmm. And the conversation just kind of flowed. We're vibing off different things, where it may be jazz music, different photographers that we appreciate. And the conversation just kind of flowed to the point where I was forgetting to click. Like I'm talking and all the camera. Like, like you going to shoot? And I gotta, you know, I gotta get these I'm shots. I'm waiting. In. So right. And so um and so uh and so the shoot ended and then I'm like calling people and like, yo, this energy was a little yo, bit what's different. Up? And I yeah. think, you know, when I send her, her the edits, maybe I should, you know, so I debated things and so eventually worked out we started, you know, started date and um the chemistry was just, you know, solidified. It was real. You know, sometimes you have that encounter and you're like, did I miss something? Was this what I thought it was? Yeah. Was that no, nah, it exactly was what it you was thought. strong. It was it was real, yeah. So um, from that point on, she became my soul. Like she became my muse, and um, we just continued to photo shoots. And then I just got the idea when preparing to propose that you know I'm gonna take some work that we've done. I'm gonna take the work that we've done. We've done a lot of work, but some of the things that we've done, put it in the gallery, and then invite you know friends and family to it, man. And so uh, and so uh, it was it was a special special moment that uh, we won't forget. For sure. Yeah, that, that was clean. Me and Rob <laughs> was talking about, we saw your Instagram. It looks like you two have a nice, <laughs> <laughs> goofy relationship, I'm going to say. Yeah. It's organic. <laughs> so they have yeah, mad fun flows. together. Yeah. Yeah. Who idea was it to recreate the movies and do Flip the Switch video? I was crying. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, the, and the baby boy one, too. Baby boy, yeah, I baby mean, boy. we... Yeah. Yeah, she was um she was a little bit like reluctant reluctant on the baby boy, but I told her like she knit like she did it the first time. I was like, no, you nailed it. Uh -huh. You got to do this. <laughs> yeah. And whatever reason that scene always stuck with me. You know, with the movie, I know we've all seen it like a bunch of times. And you low key yeah. look like him from the side a little bit. Yeah. Oh man, <laughs> <laughs> so. Like, I laughed at that scene, like, so many times and, like, watching it, seeing Snoop talk to the kid like that. And so I was like, nah, we got to we gotta do it. I got to do it. That was so, perfect. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> so, now nah, we get, we just, um, ideas may just pop into uh, our head and there may be something that I may drag her to do. And then a lot of times it's something that she may drag me to do, but we get tons of laughs out of it, you know, every single time. And so, um, so, and that's, like, that's normal, like, um, Pandemic life just yeah, created facts. It, it turned you know, up more a whole other notch. <laughs> right, whole other, whole other notch. So um, yeah, so we both we both keep each other on our toes for sure. That's <laughs> that's good man. That, that black love that's that's a beautiful thing to good, to man. admire and, and witness. And I could tell like it's no, organic, no. it's genuine. Like you could tell that you guys are really into each other. So that's a beautiful yeah. thing. Listen, man, we we got to raise a toast to the king, My killing man. it in Brooklyn. You know, and um, we just really appreciate everything you're doing, and we just want to stay connected, and we enjoying to watch you grow, man. To you, man. To you, to you guys success, too, man. man. 
appreciate you guys. Much success. And uh, thanks so much, man. It's good being on with you guys. Absolutely, man. We, we definitely have to stay connected for sure. That it's the Rob and Rob for Life podcast, along with my good brother, Rob McLean and Mike Grady. We out of here. For life. I'm ball like you in the league, only way the people playing. I started believing that I was one that wouldn't make it. That gave me more reason to question pictures people painted. I stopped giving a fuck.